Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhry with my co-host Phyllis Amen. Today we'll be talking about future of aging, future possibilities. As we begin to age, we try to decide what's next for us, what's in the next phase of our life. And in this particular session, we will talk to a guest from uh, AARP, as well as we'll share with you some of the uh, things and adventures that Phyllis and I are involved involved in. Phyllis, welcome. Thanks, Rubina. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing better. It was a rush to get here on time, but I made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're back and safe and uh, on the call with us but as I said to you safety is most important absolutely safety is most 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 important so um, share with me Phyllis what are some of the things that uh, that you're doing and trying to do as you you know progress in your in your years so um as you were talking, I was thinking about it. Here I am at, I'm 66 years old. And, um, you know, people have said to me, are you going to retire? Or, you know, what do you do in your spare time? And I, I never really thought about anything in terms of retirement. And so as I'm, as you're talking, and I'm thinking that I'm rushing here, it's probably maybe peculiar to some people that at this age, I'm still rushing around from place to place to place. You know what I mean? Yes. So, <laughs> so, you know, some of the things that, that I've done is uh, I've written a, a book, two books about how we treat our elder citizens and the fact that they're entitled to um, better care and, and more dignity and respect as, as a natural resource. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, uh, the the last show I believe uh, we did, um, I talked about ballroom dancing, which is a passion of mine, which I've pursued in my later years. And um, I've taken on this role of advocacy and even this radio show to help um, inspire a conversation about how we treat our elder citizens. There are so many opportunities, whether it's a, a passion that you've had in your entire life or a new passion you've found or or something, um, just something that you'd like to do to help others. There's, there are so many possibilities. What about you, Rubina? You know, I'm in a similar situation as, as you. I'm 68, soon to be 69, uh, I think but just the example of the two of us, uh, we are redefining what uh, getting older means. You know, if I think back to my mother and my grandmother, by the 60s, they were living the life of leisure. And here we are, uh, and in my situation, I'm, I'm working full time, I'm running my business, I'm working in more than one nonprofits, and the listeners are familiar with Olive Community Services that, that I represent on this, uh, uh, this call. And uh, I mentor the new entrepreneurs uh, and uh, am very involved in causes that, uh, that relate to small businesses and the ability of small business owners to conduct business and uh, and many things that go around it and also women-owned businesses. So I am also a grandmother uh, of uh, four and I have three children, a house and the mortgage and everything else and I'm blessed to have a husband with me that, uh, uh, that you know, shares these responsibilities with me or carry, you know, bigger load in some of the parts as well. Uh, but I, again, I have that same question too, Phyllis. When am I going to retire? And right. said, you know, I'm having fun. What does retirement mean? Uh, and 
to me, it, it just means shifting your focus to do the things that you want to do, where your passion is, uh, versus only for the paycheck that you need to bring home to pay your bills. So if you can combine the passion and the paycheck, I think that to me is the is the ultimate uh, ultimate benefit. I agree, and um, I I I am also taking on uh, new roles within my profession or my area of expertise. So I education, keeping your mind active, and keeping engaged that way is also very important. And one of the roles that or educational opportunities that I've taken advantage of is that I've become a certified dementia practitioner, trainer, and manager, um, soon to be a certified Montessori dementia um, uh, trainer. And so th- there are new new roads that you can pursue even within your area of expertise, but yet broaden broaden your um, knowledge base and and what you can give back. And I, I we've talked about that. How can, and we've talked to other people that are doing interesting things in that area. Uh, one person that you and I spoke with was a teacher, and she always loved um, teaching and working with young people, and so she took on the role of opening, I think it was a tutoring center, was it not? Right, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, a, a, you can use your expertise in different ways. Yes, I think you're, you're so, so right there, Phyllis. And, um, you know, you're mentioning some of your quals. One of the other uh, qualifications I have is a, a certified business coach, Um and what I always like to do is ask the people that I'm working with is to define where they want to go. And I'd like to put that question to our listeners right now. And, you know, at whatever age level, age that you are, look out 10 years and 15 years and see what it is that you want to be doing and and how that, how that uh, gels with your passion. And then the next thing you do, you know, do organizations or uh, situations exist where you can join somebody who's doing what you want to do, or you can start something that uh, that you want to do. And in, uh, you know, in my case uh, of Olive Community Services, this is, uh, you know, uh, an area that I felt there was a void for culturally appropriate senior support services. And uh, with a group of friends, we've started an organization that uh, is offering opportunities for so many people to be engaged. So I think you mentioned a key point there, which is you reached out to friends with similar interests who mm-hmm. and similar or areas of expertise that would be helpful in the project that you wanted to pursue. So people should think that this is not something they have to do individually necessarily. It isn't only about, I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to start something, but you can find people who are interested, have similar interests to you and find a way to pursue those together. Yes, definitely. And there are just so, so many, so many opportunities. And uh, one of the, as we look at the literature uh, on aging and on seniors, no loneliness, uh, social isolation is is one of the highest indicators of uh, health issues. So being involved, finding a passion, uh, and even if it's the, you know two hours a week, one hour a week, in, in whatever mode can keep us engaged and uh, and be you know feel like we're giving back, uh, you know. And we talked about grandparents or the elders as the wisdom keepers, and that is us. You know, right. it's not somebody else. That's us. Absolutely. We've just talked about just the two of us and just imagine how many listeners that are in this category. So we have to then see, okay, we've been fortunate to gain the wisdom over the years. Now, how can we impart it? 
to others? How can we impart it for the benefit of society? Uh, does it need to be packaged? Is there an organization or a cause that exists that I can I can help? If not, then uh, let's get together, get people with different uh, different skill sets. And uh, at one time, at some time, I'd be happy to share how we put the team together for Olive, how we looked at different skill sets and the role I play and the role others play in it. You know, it's it's like a um, a puzzle or a piece of pie. You have to take your own slice and carry it well. I I agree. That's, uh, oh, if sorry. it's a pie, eat it well. <laughs> right. I was going to say that would be fantastic for people to hear how you put that together and sought out people with different skill sets or brought people with skill sets into the into the um, conversation so mm-hmm. that you you could pursue this. Something Definitely. else I wanted to say is that uh, sometimes I believe that people who, let's say, retire and don't pursue I don't, an area of interest or a passion or maybe they live a life of leisure, I don't know how fulfilling that is over the long haul, is what I'm saying. Uh, maybe it is for some people, and maybe I just don't understand it because I don't think that would be fulfilling for me. I, I think it, it's to each their own. I sometimes wonder what it would be like too and and I sometimes I really wonder you know what would it have been like if I had been a, a stay-at-home mom and uh, you know not worked out in the field and uh, going to the tea parties and but I think in each situation you know that stay that what comes to mind grass is always greener on the other side <laughs> right right <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so I'm sure that uh, that there is a balance that that is ideal between work, between play, between friendships, and I think that's the excuse me. That's what I believe we have available to us as we age, and we have to be mindful, especially like you and I, who are so used to be so driven that we do take the time to rest and to relax and to recharge our batteries. I agree. That is very important. Uh, you were just telling me that as I was driving here, like <laughs> driving like a maniac. I had to make a second call to you and <laughs> have you do some breathing exercises that I would rather have you join us late or not join us on this call and be safe. And I'm glad you listened and I'm glad you're at uh, at your home and participating with us. Oh, me too. So I guess uh, now we're going to take a short break. And when we return to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, we're going to be speaking with Erica Michalowski from Connecticut AARP about future possibilities and how AARP is promoting people living fulfilling lives as they continue in their advancing years. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. 
Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Rubina Chaudhary with my co-host Phyllis Amen. Phyllis, would you introduce our guest, please? Absolutely, Rubina. I'd love to. Our guest is Erica Michalowski from AARP Connecticut. And Erica has been with AARP since 2003, serving the 50 and over populations and their families in the areas of education and outreach. Erica currently serves on the steering committee for the Coalition for Elder Justice in Connecticut and chair of their Consumer Fraud Action Team on behalf of AARP Connecticut. In addition, Erica represents AARP Connecticut on the Consumer Law Project for Elders Advisory Council. Thanks so much for joining us, Erica. We're so thrilled to have AARP on the program with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Phyllis and Rabina. I am very happy to be here to talk about my favorite subject, aging. Oh, well, so we're, we're all on the same team, right? It's, yes. It's a favorite ab- subject for all of us. Absolutely. So I was actually uh, curious about the fact that RP now stands for Real Possibilities. I only found out about that a few months ago, and I was wondering what inspired that change, and do, do you think that a, that a lot of people know that RP now stands for Real Possibilities? So I love that you asked that question, and the wonderful thing about working for AARP as long as I have is they've been very consistent in really wanting to represent the people that they're serving. We're a social justice organization. We do educational offerings and programs and advocacy. The depth and breadth of what we offer people where the 50-plus population and their families and the community at large um, is just wonderful. So what we like to do within our, our staff and our volunteer ranks and our membership is reflect on that. And it used to be called the American Association of Retired Persons when Ethel Percy Andrus, our founder, first founded AARP. And so as we've changed over the course of time, uh, probably uh, maybe five or six years ago, maybe even longer, I'm terrible with time, we stopped calling ourselves uh, the American Association of Retired Persons and just refer to ourselves as AARP. And most people just love to say ARP. But then we added on real possibilities, AARP real possibilities, because that's what it's all about. We try to have people feel as though we're listening to what their needs are at any stage of life. And that's how it really came about. And I think it fits really well. Our volunteers really love it. And it speaks to um, what we see our future work to be doing. I I think the challenge is and always has been um, people knowing that we um, had changed our name, but we've never changed who we are as an organization. I agree that 
obviously AARP is such a strong advocacy organization, and especially as people are uh, living longer, having second careers or finding passions later on in life, or continuing to be active in the career that they had, that, that is really the possibilities that people can look forward to, uh, as opposed to maybe a mindset years ago where you just retire and, and I don't know, sat down, <laughs> I guess. Yes, so, yeah, I- you're definitely right. That's exactly how people were. You know, if you think about life, how many years back, you looked at people um, having a life where they had their education and then they had their family and work, and then life became time for leisure, maybe. You know, that's what they would call retirement, but that's not what we're seeing now. So definitely we're on the same page with that. So what are some of the things that you're seeing what are some of the real possibilities that you're seeing right now, Erica, as you've seen this uh, shift happening? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say that we are known for our advocacy work, but it always feeds into always wanting to understand the needs of the population that we're serving. And we do this through our outreach programs and our advocacy um, as one unit. They complement each other. And we really try to look at empowering people to choose how they live as they age live their best life in a setting of their choice, you know, and that impacts a lot of things, and fight for issues impacting the 50-plus population. And the heart of our work really is our volunteers. And I'll speak to, you know, it, it is like this across the whole country, but I'll speak to our wonderful team in Connecticut. We have um, volunteers that go out, and they are the face of our work because that is who this is affecting. Um, volunteers and staff and people in the community, we lock arms to, to try to make things better. Here's a few examples of, of the work that we do. One of our programs called the Fraud Watch, AARP Fraud Watch Network Program helps consumers um, to send off uh, scammers. You know, we, we all get those phone calls that, that say the IRS, you, you owe them money, right? Um, and it's very scary, you know. Um, you'll get a call that says uh, the grandparent, it, it, you know, is that you, Jimmy? And, you know, the, the grandmother or grandfather is, you know, thinking that their grandchild is in trouble. And, you know, the, the scam is that you have to send them money to get them out of jail, you know, and this goes on and on and on. People have fallen for this as victims. They, it has nothing to do with socioeconomic background. It has nothing to do with your intelligence. These scammers and con artists are after your money, and they have a full-time job doing it, and they're really good at it. So what we do is we work with law enforcement, and we work with our ARP Fraud Watch Network to really try to educate consumers to feel empowered, to feel as though they don't have to be a victim if they can just share their stories, share the information, because we can solve 100% of the crimes that have not yet been committed. So that's one of the programs. Um, and that, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, uh, just going to chime in for a moment, you referenced the wonderful volunteers, and um, I just wanted to say that I actually was a participant at a caregiving and aging conference this past Saturday, um, last week, September 28th in Connecticut, and I had the opportunity to meet some of those wonderful, wonderful volunteers, and that's how I got connected with you, Erica. So I can only say that I've seen exactly what you were talking about. I'm so glad, and I'm so sorry I missed you. It was a wonderful day, and I think it was Betty that, that connected us, and she's one of... 1,500 volunteers we have in Connecticut doing so much work. Um, you know, some of the other things that we offer are what we call a, a livable community kind of concept where we help people understand the road to livability when it comes to their home, their car, their community, really talking about things like social isolation and social inclusion. Um, we have programs around caregiving and supporting. I think that might be one that you got to see around helping people navigate so many systems, you know, um, that it's just overwhelming and how to do self-care for yourself so you can take care of others. Um, there's, there's so many that I can choose to, to share with you. One in particular that I think is really speaking to the topic of ageism 
is the concept of disrupt aging. And this was a program that was started um, based on the book by our, our uh, current CEO, Joanne Jenkins. And it was an amazing book that spoke to so many people, um, including our volunteers in Connecticut. And what was beautiful about the aging movement, uh, which is a national movement and it has a digital platform, but it also has an on-the-ground kind of concept, is really tackling stereotypes and myths around aging. So what we decided to do in Connecticut is we decided to partner with this wonderful organization called Borrow My Glasses that's headed by a gerontologist and producer, and they really focus on aging and caregiving from a new perspective. Um, and as an aging company, they develop learning strategies and design educational programs and multimedia workshops and events, and we just really clicked. It was one of those things where, you know, you just know that you're with the right people and you're all moving towards the same goal. Everybody's on the bus that should be on the bus. Everybody's <laughs> trying to get the end, you know. Right. And um, so what I, you know, I went to my, my boss, uh, Nora Duncan, who you've met, Phyllis, and she yes, says, I, I love it. She's, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's quite, quite a woman, I shall say. Quite a woman. Sure is. And, you know, and she's one of those people that helps you think through things in a way that's going to make sense for you, but for the people that you're trying to reach. And what we wanted to really try to do is create conversations that were applicable to different groups. So we created these three intentional um, interactive multimedia conversations for three different types of groups. Community groups, which could be a person that goes to a senior center or a library, you know, it can be people of multiple generations just congregating in a social or a book club or a wine club. We've gone to it. We've gone to Weight not Weight Watchers, I think it was Take Off Town Sensibly. You know, all these different groups where people really wanted to talk about their perspectives about their own aging and tackle those myths. Because when you think of, what do you, I should ask you this question. What, what three words come to mind when I say aging? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, gee. Rubina, do you have any weight on thinking? <laughs> yes, uh, having to wear eyeglasses. Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, aches and pains. Yeah. And uh, possibly the digestive system getting a bit uh, sensitive. Those are the three things that came to my mind. That's, wow. Now, that's funny. I have a totally different perspective. Um, Tell me. I'm thinking uh, second opportunities. Um, or or um, second opportunities, I'm positive attitude and um, vibrant living. I love it. So these are three questions that we ask when we walk into classrooms. We are looking in the community. We'd, we've created one for Disrupt Aging at Work where people are um, really trying to have intergenerational teams in the workforce, lots going on with that. But we've just recently, in, over the past year, been on um, college campuses. We did a pilot where we went to uh, Quinnipiac University and Central Connecticut State University, and we utilized a two-and-a-half-hour module, and we taught it in classes where they weren't currently receiving any aging content. And we had some Rabina answers, and we had some Phyllis answers. And so we would ask the questions in the beginning, and after the course of the content that we gave them, and I can share a little bit of it with you because I think you'd enjoy it, um, at the end, answers would change. So what we found is that we were transforming attitudes about aging. We've been measuring this program over the course of its time from the community piece all the way through to the classroom piece. And in the classroom piece, the fact that we can move college students to do anything or think differently, even just a little, was gratifying. But it was actually statistically significant in their, their changes of their attitudes about aging. And it's really important to really think through those kinds of things. It starts with the individual and how you actually see yourself and also how you see yourself in the future. And when you're thinking about aging um, as an 18-year-old and you're thinking about aging as a 65-year-old, there's really not that, that much of a difference because I still think I'm 18, you know. So the number doesn't matter to me. It's my stage in life and where I think I am. And that's my perspective. But somebody else may feel as though, oh, 
you know, time is done, and now I'm going to just think about what I'm going to do. It's and, interesting you know, that you just said something, uh, if you don't mind me, just uh, it sparked a, um, a reference. Uh, the first show we ever had, we interviewed a, um, a gentleman who, uh, Hugo Gerstel, who said that he believed that uh, people remain the same age inside, probably young adulthood, even though their physiognomy, how they look on the outside changes, that deep inside they really always think of themselves as this person in young adulthood. It's interesting, and, and, you know, I have to say that I, I would probably agree with that, even though I don't have any research to back that up, but what, what I think that speaks to is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Robert Butler, um, very famous um, person that introduced the term ageism back in 1968, yep. and he, you know, defines it as the process of systematic stereotyping of discrimination against people because of their age. Now, nowhere in that definition does he say anything against older people. Correct. Or older adults. He looks at it from um, being directed at anybody at any time and any age. And one of the conversations that we have with students, you know, basically people are 18 to 24, and we have our outliers, our wonderful um, uh, groups of people that go back to school in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and up. Right? Everybody, right. you know, I got my master's later in life. And so, you know, you have this group of students who are not thinking about aging, but every time we take a breath, we're aging. And so how do you get um, a student or a person from a younger generation to really even think about or consider? So you have to kind of walk them through the process of, okay, who do you know? in this category. So we talk about the difference between vulnerable populations to those super seniors. Now, somebody that's jumping out of airplanes and surfing at 80 and 90 years old didn't just go and decide to do that. They've probably been doing something like this over the course of their life. But the majority of people fall into that, that grouping of, hey, I'm just enjoying my life. Maybe I'm taking a dance class. Maybe I'm doing a talk show radio. Um, you know, just maybe I'm taking a painting class. Or maybe I'm going back to work because, you know what, I need to have some more money for my retirement. So, right. you know, it just depends on who the person is and what their circumstances in life are. We do a very interactive session where they get to use their smartphones and their computers for speaking their language. Um, and we, we have a wonderful conversation that leads us to them thinking about innovation and thinking about aging in terms of People are living longer. We know this through the aging trend. And 1900, we had 3 million people over the age of 65. And in 2000, 35 million. In 2020, 56.4. And then in 2060, it's going to be projected to be 98.2 million people that will be living over the age of 65 in the U.S. There's going to be a lot of us. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the uh, Department of Statistics says that in 2035, the, over, the 65 and over population will outnumber the 18 and under population. You know, we only have a few seconds left. Is there anything you'd like to tell people in terms of how to get in touch with AARP or to follow AARP or find out about AARP's initiatives? We have like 30 seconds left. Sure, they can go to our website at aarp.org slash ct, and they can also call us anytime. My telephone number is 860-548-3163. I'm always happy to talk with people about aging and anything else, and I thank you so much for having me today, Rabina and Phyllis. Oh, thanks so much. Thank We're going so, to take a so. short break, and when we return, Rabina and I will continue the conversation on future possibilities on Voice, on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Hello, Phyllis and all the listeners. Let's take a look at what are some of the real possibilities for us to keep ourselves healthy, engaged, empowered, and to serve the community. Um, We have a whole list of uh, things that people can do. Phyllis, is there something that comes to your mind that you would like to start up with with first? Perhaps being a radio show host is the first thing, you know. (laughs) That's a possibility, right? That certainly is a possibility. Or not even only being a host, but being on a radio show. If you have an area of expertise and there's a local radio station where you live, you can contact them. And that's how I started, actually, about a year ago in uh, Greenwich, where I live. And um, I told them that I was passionate about elder citizen elder citizen care, and I really wanted to come and talk about that. And now, as of, I started November 1st last year, I'm on every three or four weeks and on the local radio station. So people can certainly think about a passion that they have or an interest they have and, and pursue that. But when you asked me about something in particular that I would be interested in in suggesting or talking about... Uh, people probably know I talk about having worked in over 40 skilled nursing facilities, so I come from that space. And there are so many people in skilled nursing facilities, also known as nursing homes, in the over 15,000 nursing homes in this country that don't have family or have family that live a distance away or, or don't have friends for whatever reason, either they've passed away or whatever the circumstances are that causes that them to be in that situation. And I've always thought that people who are out and about, it would be such a kind gesture and fulfilling not only for the person that they visit, but for themselves. If they went to a, whether it's a hospital, an assisted living facility or a nursing home and said that they wanted to volunteer maybe to visit people once a week, uh, one person or however many people and go through a process so that people can look forward to having somebody from the community come and visit them. It's almost like PayPal, um, uh, pen pals from years mm-hmm. ago. But that's uh, that's really truly wonderful, um, uh, Phyllis, because in Olive, we're trying to that's exactly what we're trying to do. And the program is called Olive Friends, where we will pair up a senior who's at home with a, or in a nursing facility 
with a, a senior who wants to visit or not only a senior we have high school students who want to be friends as well and the other thing is when you're talking about the senior facilities i've seen some such good stories of high you know children young children elementary school children nurse you know going to seniors facilities and i remember one uh, one young girl sharing her experience she said you know she went to the nursing home all the lady wanted to was you know can you call me grandma oh you know there there are seniors that need adult companionship but there are those their families their grandchildren live far away and they don't have that uh, that uh, touch with them so it's good for children to go and visit those facilities as well and uh, there are children whose grandparents live far away true so so this is of a mutual benefit they get to meet an elder they get to call them a, a grandma or grandpa and uh, you know and, and it's a, it's truly a win-win situation and also you know what we found um You know, there's so many good things being done for for seniors and uh, and education and advocacy for many many fronts is is uh, up uh, you know on the forefront of all the conversation right now. The community, you know, the the offices on aging in different states counties, they have a friendly visitor program. So here for the nursing facilities, they can reach out to. organizations similar to olive or to their office of aging and see do they have a friendly visitor program and then have their you know um clients their seniors connected uh, connected with a with a friend and, and they're great idea i'm glad you brought that up and, and even one even one step further on that is um is those with the cultural sensitivity i recall when you know one of our first speakers in our event we had he's uh, he has knowledge of arabic language and he recalled an ex- this is um, a neuropsychologist so he was going to different nursing homes and he recalls an experience where he went to this lady uh, who was so pleased that she, she met someone who could understand her who could speak speak her language and just the way he was sharing that experience it was just so heartwarming and we need to create more and more of those uh, those opportunities i agree uh, you said something interesting also about younger people going to visit people in nursing homes or assisted living or older people Uh, there's also the possibility of the reverse. People who are older can volunteer in daycare centers. And this would be a great way to bridge the generations and give younger people an opportunity to experience an older person and uh, understand what they're about and develop m- more um, understanding of their wisdom and and what they can share so that's another opportunity definitely and and there is a a, a federal program called the RSVP the retired senior volunteer program and i believe that that they have some programs like that in time ali will explore, explore opportunities like that it's really depends on what your passion is and what you want to give back You know, there's an organization called SCORE, right. Service Score of Retired Executives. So the key here is for the individual to to identify their passion. And by by the time we're this age, we have a pretty good idea of where our strengths are and where our passion is. And then uh, then seriously look for the opportunity where you can use that. And if that opportunity doesn't exist. then find a group of friends and uh, create that opportunity agree there's also when we talk about bridging generations and older people with younger people there's always volunteering at a library to read stories to children 
or as we talked about one woman we know who started an after-school program to help tutoring, there are lots of learning centers where, let's say somebody has a particular expertise in mathematics or in technology, uh, they can volunteer their time and help people, kids that maybe are more challenged in that area or need some tutoring. There, there are so many possibilities. And then again, it becomes an intergenerational experience. Definitely, definitely. And I think the beauty of, um, of getting into the elder years is that some of your immediate responsibilities are behind you. You know, your children are grown. Yes, you have grandchildren, but it's, it's a different relationship. So it gives you the ability and the capability to do some things that you couldn't do in your younger years when you were so focused on raising your family and career and all that. And uh, the other thing is, you know, work doesn't have to be full-time. Volunteer opportunity doesn't have to be full-time. It can be part-time, whatever amount of time you have. And it could could be up to and including full-time. I know of a, a retired businessman who has for last many years, probably even close to 10 years, has worked as the front desk person at a care facility as a volunteer. Now, that is admirable. Absolutely. That is admirable. And that keeps him active. That keeps him engaged. uh, And, you know, there are people doing many, many more more things. And um, nowadays with the... um advent of the political season uh, coming upon us, or actually we're already in it, there are also political campaigns. Uh, Doesn't matter what party, but a person can volunteer. There are local organizations. They're always looking for volunteers, whether it's about uh, signing people up to vote or being involved in a campaign and making phone calls. Or there's also uh, the census the census, their nonprofit um, um, or public access television stations that are always looking for people to help make phone calls, to raise money. Uh, these are very worthy ca- causes. There are so many opportunities if people just take a moment to really look around and explore them um, that that will they're giving back, but they're giving to themselves also because they have a sense of purpose. Uh, I talked about a while back, I think I talked about it on this show. I know I wrote about it in my second book. There's a, um, a program in California. This gentleman oversees a program in about 70 nursing home facilities where the residents go, I think it's once a month, but it might be twice a month, where the residents go and prepare uh, food and serve food in a homeless shelter. And that's another wonderful thing that people could do, whether it's Meals on Wheels. I think you said you had a yes. friend who um, oh, volunteers for Meals on Wheels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've ridden along with her as a volunteer. So they, they uh, that's a tremendously rewarding uh, thing to do for the person in the homeless shelter. As he described it, they're so appreciative for somebody to come and serve food and help prepare food. And, and when somebody is appreciative of what you're giving them, it really does gladden your own heart. Oh, it definitely does. And you mentioned the political season is upon us, and definitely it is. But also, the next year is the year of uh, the census. And uh, I've, uh, I've been in meetings where the Census Bureau are doing their outreach. They're looking for people to help. And I think there might even be paid opportunities. Uh, but they are definitely doing their outreach to make people aware of the census and help with the with the census as well, uh, lots and lots of opportunities. Also, also, just to to add, it's a good time to accomplish your fitness goals, right? We've talked about that. How uh, exercise it contributes to brain health, to physical health, to uh, a, a variety of of benefits. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's slimming down or just keeping you mobile, your joints mobile, uh, it's a good time to even just pursue that for your own benefit. Yes, and and travel and associate with people. And I was at a, 
a community gathering uh, with uh, with LA Metro this past weekend, and they have a program called On the Move, where seniors go on outings, uh, you know, and use the the transit system. We uh, we in Olive are going on a, an international trip because the interest was there. We found someone who can uh, uh, who can take us and uh, guide uh, a scholar who specializes in Spain. And he's coming with us, uh, and it's designed for us, you know, a little slower pace. Um, so if anybody wants to go to Spain, they can go to the olivecs.org website, and there's information on the tour we have uh, uh, we have going on October 30th. That sounds fantastic. And isn't there an organization called Rhodes Scholar? where it's it's just for that purpose for older yes. people and it's designed to take them to various destinations it's a more of, it's an educational type of trip i believe yes than yes leisure. there is yes there is and uh, and i have friends who go on cruises and uh, uh, i'm part of a group of uh, three to five ladies and we go to national parks and we could, you know, take a trip a year. So if something does not exist, it doesn't have to be fancy. Socialize, be together, do something that's healthy for you and that's healthy for your friends. It, uh, it, absolutely, because as you said, uh, loneliness and boredom and isolation contributes to decline of mental health, emotional health, and, um, you mm-hmm. know, and all the rest. And if if you're not physically able to go somewhere, you know, we're so fortunate and lucky we have this this whole Internet and social media platform that uh, the elders of previous you know years didn't have. You can be friends on Facebook. You can stay connected. It's it's the connection that's very important. I agree. I definitely agree. Anything else you want to add, Rubina, as we wrap up here? This week, I, I think this is a big topic, and we will continue to address it uh, in time. and uh, And we welcome comments and ideas from our our listened listeners at all all times. Okay, great. So, thanks for listening today to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Uh, future possibilities was what we were talking about and um, we so appreciative of Erica Michalowski from AARP Connecticut as our guest today and uh, join us again next week on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.